0: You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. You've now tuned in to The Drawing Board Podcast, a powerful, thought-provoking discussion where we talk about family, relationships, ministry, community, and career. Let's see what exciting guests we have on our show today. Welcome to The Drawing Board Podcast. This is your host and founder, Andre I am so excited to be with you this evening. We Can you believe we're headed to the month of September in just a matter of days? I hope that you are planning. I hope that you are crystallizing and sharp vision. I hope that you are being inspired, motivated, and transformed by renewing your mind with the word of God. I don't care what you've gone through or what you have experienced, God's promise is greater than your problem. So that's a good way to start today's podcast listen the guest that i have on the show tonight this young lady is dynamic i know i'll be listening to some and presenting to others uh, my sister in christ my c prep sister i am possible sister uh micah benson welcome to the show
1: micah thank you so much for having me i'm so excited for today's show
0: Listen. Do you know how excited I was when I saw your post to say that this was one of the first podcasts yes, that you're going to
1: first one, my first podcast ever.
0: So I'm like, oh, listen. This is how how great it is for you to be at the drawing board, you know, yeah. and especially um, with the great work that I know that you've done. So if you'll give me a second, Micah, I just want to brag on you a bit, if that's okay. So our- Micah, a native of Fort Wayne, Indiana. Micah Benson is an award-winning speaker, youth advocate, and involved member in her community. Her targeted areas of outreach are social justice in marginalized communities, education for our youth, along with passion for women's rights. Ms. Benson dedicates her time to uplifting, encouraging, and motivating everyone she comes in contact with. I'm I'm a testimony to that. And listen, as a recent graduate of IUPUI, Micah spent time on the campus being involved in various organizations that shed light on her passions for civil rights, social justice, equity, and inclusion. We couldn't be in a more fitting time for leaders like yourself to raise those questions about, and here's a question I'll ask you, Micah. I just want you to, I want you to, I want to float this as a balloon and I'll come back and get it. What does justice look like? What does justice look like, and I think that that is a, a question that has yet to be answered uh particularly for african american men but 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 in general people of color. What does justice look like? Let me finish telling them about you because they listen I'm, you can you can throw this in there real quick. At what age did you graduate high school, Micah?
1: I was fifteen years old
0: fifteen years old. A graduate of what I want to say is one of the greatest schools, the yes. greatest school and alum of yes. uh Cornerstone Christian College Preparatory School, yes. better known to those with a term of endearment as C
1: Prep. Yeah, so
0: before before I go on any further, I want to give honor cor- of course and credit to God, but if we have to honor, you know, the man of God, the apostle. Dr. Oscar J. Dowdell Underwood Jr. So shout out to you, Dad. We love you. Uh, We would not be here without you. And so I want to ask you, Micah, my first question to you is, what what was it like journeying through C-PREP as a student there?
1: Yeah. So, and it's funny because I think about that all the time. But the first thing I always remind myself is that there I wasn't just a student, you know, in those classes with, and I call him granddad, you know. And so with those classes with Dr. Underwood, um, I knew I was more than a student. You know, in that class, I was treated as somebody's daughter, you know, someone's sister, uh, someone's loved one. And you can feel the love. And so um, being a student, because that's the general term that we refer to, you know, kids are in school, you're exposed to a reality that I would, that, that's all I knew. I was at Cornerstone Prep from K to 12. So my whole entire life, all I knew was Cornerstone Prep. And so that was my family. You know, that was the closest thing I had to family at times. And so um, my experience there, now that I've been out of it for a few years, is that I'm, I wasn't a student. I was a granddaughter. I was someone's granddaughter in school who was able to get the closeness that I needed. I was able to get the education I needed at an all time high, um, allowing me the space to believe that I was possible, allowing me the space to not even see age as limitation. I didn't think graduating high, at, at high school at 15 was cool because it was what, it, what it was expected out of me. And I didn't realize that until I got out of Cornerstone Prep. And I'm like, oh, this is different. Because in C-Prep, you're expected to be the greatest version of yourself. And so when I was six years old reading, you know, high school level books, it wasn't, yeah, it was a beautiful thing and I was applauded. But it, it felt good because I, it was, was expected out of me. So having an environment where there's no limit, we're not shun upon for you know doing great things, it's a beautiful place to be. And now that I'm out of it, you begin to reflect on those experiences. And it's like, wow, I was doing things that were extraordinary at C Prep and having that space to be the best version of yourself is so encouraging because when people look at me and they see my journey, I can always reflect back to the foundation of who I am. That will forever be C-PREP and the teachings that the amazing Dr. Underwood has given to me and my amazing colleagues like you and alumni who are are part of, you know, C-PREP forever. You know, it's a lifelong bond. It's a lifelong family that you'll forever have. And you're able to tap into at different stages of your life to refresh you, to refuel you, to kind of give you the fire you need for the journeys ahead. And that's something that I know is a hidden gem. It's forever what I call my secret weapon you know, returning to Eagle Mountain to be reminded of who I am and whose I am. And that's something that I know is beneficial to my future um, and the success that I've had so far and I will have in the future.
0: Excellent. So I, have a, I always have a challenge for my guests. And so I was thinking, yeah. I said, okay, Lord, what challenge will I have for my sister tonight? And I want you to, because you're a poet as well. And so I want you to encase everything that you just said to me in a poet in a poem entitled I am more than a student and I want you to speak from your experience at C prep but I want you to advocate for children who are going through the educational process in the middle of that poem so I want you to talk about how as a student that you were a granddaughter as you as a student you were expected to do great things as a student you were uh, nourished and nurtured you know so that the best form of yourself you know arising to the occasion, was not a rare thing, but you were taught to value who you were in the midst of the educational journey. And of course, we know that's Doc's methodology. That is that sure. is foundationally who he taught us to be. And so uh, I want you to paste that in a poem entitled, I Am More Than a Student.
1: Awesome. I'm just off the dome right now. No, no, no. I mean,
0: if you feel it right now, if no, you feel no, it right no, now, man. go for it.
1: <laughs> I was thinking like talking about okay me get 5 seconds to get it together. But I, will, I would love to do that. I totally yes. accept our challenge.
0: Yeah, so when and when you and when you write it and when you get it done, just let me know and we can do a uh you know, we can do a Zoom call or we can do a Facebook Live or IG Live and you can awesome. just come on because I think it's critical in what you're sharing, especially talking about in an educational environment where we're talking about uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, justice uh, that we must acknowledge that the young people that enter our environment, they enter in our environment as more than just a student, uh, yeah. more than just the $7,500, uh, per yeah. pupil that is received, uh, or more depending upon, uh, where you, uh, but when they enter that environment, they enter, uh, with the raw materials to become the best version of themselves. And it is yeah. obligatory to those that are in their environment. Uh, to unearth those treasures within by valuing who they are not just what they are. Mm,
1: that's good.
0: So here's the thing Micah you've been speaking across the world you have uh, a brand that you have created an entrepreneur now I was sitting over there I was like listen I need to cross my legs and cry a little bit too let me let me you know <laughs> I'm like Micah is out here doing it and so Micah, talk to me you have a brand that you've created. And uh, you've been an entrepreneur now, probably what going on nearly a year, right?
1: Yes. Eight months as of on Sunday was eight months of a full-blown announcing entrepreneurship.
0: Absolutely. So from trauma Mm -hmm. to trying. Yeah. Talk to to me about what was the genesis of that idea? What was the Mm -hmm. impetus that caused you to say, listen, I need to share this. Give give me, go ahead and give me the skinny on it. How did it happen?
1: Yeah. So. Um, literally from Chayam to Chayam started, I announced it and I decided it was a thing January 23rd of this year, 2020. Um, And it was just a series of events that led up to me understanding and processing what my journey has meant to me so far. Um, The beautiful thing about my journey is that I've been able to be in a protected environment for most of my life. And I obviously graduated early at 15, but most of my life really didn't start or a lot of my processing of it didn't start until about 2019, 2020. Because up until that, my only sense of identity was always school. And so I was just a smart girl. You know, Micah, she was a young. She was a baby girl. She was just smart. And when my personality began to develop and my identity began to, you know, blossom and I was able to realize my passions while in undergrad, once I got my diploma from IUPUI and I finished, you know, the commencement speak series and all that cool stuff, it hit me that, okay, this stage of my life is done. And... My obligation, I felt, was so tied to making sure I made my people back home proud that I really never took the time to process my own journey and my own story and who Michael was outside of the attachments I had to the things that developed or what I thought was my identity. And so I'm sitting in my room and I'm like, okay, things are different now. You know, my passions are different. Um, I was always told I would be a lawyer. Law was my thing. And here I am front row at protest and this is a passion I didn't even know I had, and here I am, processing the things in my life that I deemed as traumatic and finding triumph in it, and finding joy in it, and it was just, and, you know, people knew me as campus, as the inspirational girl, I could, you could give me any bad experience, and by the time I got done talking to you, we in a restroom crying in between class, because you're encouraged, and it was just a thing I thought I knew how to do, as you know, that's where we come from, you know, being able to uplift and motivate and encourage, we can do that, just because it's, that's our environment. And so I thought I was just expanding bicep what we know to be true about our environment. And then it hit me like Mike, this is a gift. And then I began to write things down and put a name to it. And I was able to process my own experiences that were traumatic. And once I got through that, I'm like, this is a journey. And so when I began to process that and actually map it out, that's when the words and the title from trauma to triumph came about. Cause I realized it was a journey. Um, And I realized that traumatic things are a part of that journey as well. And while we're taught, you know, what happens in this house stays in this house and you're taught to kind of hide those things. I realized the beauty, the beauty in them, because who I was prior to that is no more. And the woman I am today is who I've always strived to be. And that woman can't happen unless I go through these things that I've been taught to kind of hide and be ashamed of. Um, And when I realized that there's power in speaking your truth and part of my truth are those experiences. I knew it was time to make it make sense. I knew it was time to put it on a shirt, to rep that journey, to rep that brand. And that's when I produced Faith Based Apparel um, with words on the apparel that represented my journey. And so then I began to design shirts that said forgiven and hats that said set free and hats that said healed and chosen. And I put it on shirts. And while it was just a simple word, to me, it meant so much more because it was attached to the journey I called from trauma to triumph. Um. And since then, it's just been nonstop entrepreneurship, nonstop speaking engagements, nonstop sales. And that's when I knew that was my confirmation from God, who was the main important thing I was focused on, that this was needed in this space. Um, And then since then, it's just been it's been, you know, nonstop. And I know that as I continue my journey, the beautiful thing about it is that as you grow, you realize so much more. So there's times when I'm driving and I'm like, wow, God, I didn't even realize that. I didn't realize this was also a part of the plan. And so we're in month eight and every month I've realized something new about why this journey is so important and why this brand is so crucial to society. And so hopefully eight months from now, I'm able to give you a completely different answer as opposed to what I feel like the purpose is because you're supposed to see growth constantly. um, And that's what I'm seeing and I'm getting revelation constantly. Um, But as of right now, that journey just happened because I processed the things that I thought were meant to break me and I turned them into the things that elevated me. And that's what I call that journey.
0: Yeah. I think that that's amazing. Um, when you re- refer to it as a journey or you refer to it as a process. And as I'm sitting here listening to you, the scripture definitely comes to me uh, that God will give you beauty for ashes, you know, yeah. the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of yeah. praise for the spirit of heaviness. And so as we connect to him, there's a divine exchange, uh, for our right. and his wholeness. Right. And so Ooh. he's already been, you know, bruised for our iniquities and he, yeah. you know, the chastisement of our peace has al- already been upon him. And so when we take our burdens to the cross, we exchange there because he's already paid it all, but here's the reality. Yeah. And I, what I, what I find extremely interesting about uh, your particular story when you share it is I love the candor. I love the transparency Because there can't be connection where there's not transparency. Correct. And so when you are transparent and when you bring us into uh, that intimate moment and allow yourself to be vulnerable, uh, I think that is what people need. Uh, To Mm -hmm. me, that's true ministry. uh, Because the scripture is there to confirm what God has already said. The testimony that I present to you begins to tell you how he's worked that scripture out in my life. Correct. And so people need the testimonies. So what does scripture tell us, Micah? Tell us what? For we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. Uh, it seems that we are having a little bit of slight technical difficulties here. Hello, hello, Micah. Hello, hello. All right, well. As we are waiting for Micah to rejoin us, um, and I'm not sure if she can hear me or not, I'll just fully and wait for her to log on. Uh, but this young lady uh, has a dynamic and a powerful story, and if you are uh, an organization in the Indianapolis area, I'm sure that if you're doing the work of empowering people, that you are already aware of Micah. Uh, somewhere that you can go and check out uh, some of her podcasts, not podcasts, but some of her um, her talks. You can go to either her Facebook, her Instagram at Micah Benson, or you can go to MicahBenson.org Okay, can you hear me? Ah, Micah, you back?
1: Yes, my whole screen froze, and I'm like, uh-oh.
0: Oh yeah. Well, we know that. Hey, listen, the enemy has no power. And
1: I there. promise. <laughs> I, that's the first yeah. thing I said.
0: Yeah. So um, we have your voice. I don't know what's going on with the screen, but I'm glad that you're here. I was just telling them, I said, if you're organizations that are in the Indianapolis area, if they're not aware of who you are, then that means they haven't done enough work yet. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I definitely want to say across the world, if you're looking for a powerful and dynamic speaker, uh, you can find her at Micah Benson and uh, you'll be able to learn more about her there. Micah, got a question for you. Uh, When when you're thinking about trauma, particularly with, um, you know, we're in the midst of uh, what's not so much quarantine anymore, but children are going into this virtual learning space. They are at home. um, And we know that sometimes that home is not always a safe place for everyone. Uh, What would be your encouragement to teachers that uh, are looking at this trauma and, you know, the trauma informed youth practices? where people are learning how to cultivate healthy relationships. What would be your advice about engaging who could be in the middle of or at the beginning of or just coming out of severe trauma? Wow.
1: Um, The one thing that really got me through when I was processing my trauma, um, the first thing I had to tell myself was to give myself grace. And I really had to unpack and really understand what that meant. in the sense of I had to realize that first it was trauma and that's hard sometimes because you almost kind of feel guilty or you sometimes may feel like what you're experiencing isn't a real emotion or isn't a real thing because those around you aren't experiencing it. Um, And so in those moments I had to really unpack and really, really understand that what I was going through was a real thing Um, and processing that, I was able to unpack more. So the first step is just recognizing and accepting the fact that what you're feeling is real and what you're experiencing is real, regardless of what's happening around you. Once I realized that, I was able to tap into the resources around me to give me the support in that. Um, So for me, I openly speak, if you have me on social media, at Micah Benson um, on Instagram and on Facebook, I openly speak about my battles with depression and mental health. And I didn't realize that what I was going through was depression until I realized how I felt was a real emotion. And it was a real thing that I was experiencing. And depression, in and of itself, is a traumatic experience, regardless of what anybody tells you about what they've been through with it. Um, and so, my advice to those who may be listening, who may know someone, or if they're going through an experience themselves, is to recognize that one, that their emotions are real and what they're feeling is real. But two, that's a. Emotion that we have to cultivate and nurture um, and give support to and give light to so that it doesn't take us out and so that we're able to get to the the triumphant level that we aspire to be.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that Uh, and listening to you, Micah. You know, when you talk about um, sometimes those experiences uh, throughout life, those traumatic experiences go suppressed. Until you are at an age where you are at a point of reflection, and it seems like that or that actual event, fresh uh, Mm. the experience, the trauma of it is in that moment when you become fully aware of what actually occurred. And sometimes I believe that um, you can be exposed to a thing, Mm. and God gives you that grace, and He inks you in a a safe environment, and then when you have matured to a point. That you can handle processing it, he allows that to be revealed, or something triggers it, and he be, he begins to walk you through that process. Absolutely. I'll share with you transparently. I remember being in college; I was taking sociology uh, sociology class, and so we were talking about statistically uh, what are some of the things or uh, traumatic events that impact people's lives. So we we go through sexual trauma, we go through uh, being raised by a single parent. Who, poverty as a traumatic experience. And then we get to uh, domestic violence, having witnessed or observed uh, domestic violence, whether in your household or whether a relative's household. And they were saying at that time, I know the stats have changed, uh, but at that time, it was like one in three. Uh, one Every one in three people have been exposed to domestic violence. And so I remember looking around the room And just counting, like, how many people were in the room, and I go, one, two. And I realized that I was the third person and had experienced and had witnessed uh, throughout my life and seen violence. And Uh that was an eye-opening moment, like, wow. And something that had been in some households or in some families normalized, uh, when exposed to greater information, you realize that that awareness now Invokes a responsibility to act, but you know what you said, Micah, and I'm just highlighting this. You said when you get that, uh, or or I'm paraphrasing, that awareness to act, you immediately sought support. That's that's major.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: so you you got you got the hats out there. You know, I still got to get my healed hat. I got to get healed. (laughs) That's a dope hat. It's a it's a good conversation piece, and so. Talk to me, Micah. Talk to me about because those words were intentional uh, when you chose them. When you chose the word forgiveness, take me to that moment. What 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 space uh, were you giving yourself the grace to be forgiven, or extending forgiveness to someone else?
1: Wow, that's deep. Um, when I okay, so I did all of my designs and all of my editing in one night. And most people don't know that. I mean, I literally woke up out of my sleep and I'm like, I have to get this out of my head. I kept seeing. Uh, color blocks. I kept seeing pink, gray, black, and I kept seeing my face, and I'm okay, like God. And I just kept praying. And so I literally woke up in the middle of the night, I opened up my laptop, and immediately started editing. Anybody who knows me knows I am not a tech person. I, I, It frustrates me. And I kid you not, I went into straight IT mode. I designed my website, I did all research. Um, and when it got to the point of me finishing the website, when I first completed it, I had no intentions of adding merchandise. My website, MikeandBenson.org, was just a place for individuals to come book my services and kind of have a more personal way of contacting me. It wasn't until I did the Daniel Fast um, in the beginning of February, that, and while doing that fast, that's when God spoke to me and told me to add the merchandise. And when I began to design the merchandise, they were really points of contact for me. Those emotions, healed, forgiveness, set free, chosen, Those weren't things that I felt about myself in that moment. Um, I was really speaking life to the Micah that I wanted to be months from in that moment. Beginning of January and February, I was suicidal, I was depressed, I did not want to go to grad school, I did not want to go to law school, I was not interested in anything that had formally identified me as Micah. And so, in the beginning of this year, I had no idea who I was none. No, I was winging it, I was going off of the things that were normal for me, being able to speak and write well and kind of just get by. Um, and so when I began to design those things, I know for a fact it was purely just God moving through me because those weren't experiences I knew to be true about myself. It wasn't until March and maybe beginning of April where those, where those words became real for me. Why? Because every day I wore my heel hat. Every day I was, I was dedicated to making sure I was in tune with the things God was doing through me. And that motivated me to feel forgiven and to forgive It mm-hmm. motivated me to start my journey of healing and to feel healed. And so they served as a point of contact for me and as encouragement for me to be what I was designing and to believe what I was giving out to the world. Um, and so in a weird way, my business was my ministry. It ministered to me because when I designed it, I didn't feel it. But now that it's mine. And now that I've been walking in this calling of being an entrepreneur and being the CEO of From Trauma to Triumph, I've had to become one with the things that God are do, the things that God that God is doing through me. Um. And so now I'm healed, and now I feel set free, and now I feel chosen. Um. Because I spoke life into the person that I am today, way back in January. Um. And so now, answering that question, the things that I seek to forgive are the traumatic experiences. One, I have to forgive myself for even being in those spaces or you know, feeling like if there was anything in me that wasn't right, forgiving myself of that, but also forgiving others who really didn't know what they were doing because they were just in, giving me the hurt that they thought were real emotions as well. Um, and so now I'm able to internalize so much so that the things that used to trigger me don't even trigger me anymore or the things that might've Um, made me feel like I wasn't worthy of love or that I wasn't healing. Don't give me that same emotion anymore. So it's definitely been a journey. That's why I keep using the word journey because it's definitely that. Um, And I'm happy that back then I listened to God and I listened to what I was feeling because I spoke life into a situation that I didn't even know existed. Um, And by God's grace, it's been able to impact and help others on their journey as well.
0: Right. Calling on the drawing board nation right now uh, to go to your website. Because what those were for you were prophetic points of contact, where although you didn't feel that way, you declared every time that you are healed. You declared every time that uh, someone or something or even yourself made you feel like you weren't chosen for the task, that you were chosen, that you were forgiven, that you were set free. And so I think that that's important that people who are experiencing very strong emotions or uh, even have a pattern of thinking because sometimes it goes beyond just, you know, I feel a certain way, but you have trained your mind to believe this about yourself or you've, you've heard these words, uh, or as we we're speaking, you know, when someone doesn't speak positively over you, those word curses can be broken, broken by a prophetic declaration. So this is not just merchandise for you all. This can serve as a point of contact. And let me clarify for those out there, a point of contact is something that symbolizes for you every time you come in contact with it. It causes you to release your measure of faith and dependence on God to perform the impossible. So get that healed hat. Get that chosen shirt. Get that... Go ahead. Break it down, Michael. What else? No, forgive Forgiven yeah. shirt. Um, yeah.
1: And when I first released this product, I came out with Uh, shirts that could fit the whole family. So I had onesies. And so for the children's size and the youth size shirt, those shirts said healed by default. And that's something I'm going to be releasing again soon because I understood that the parents are healed. And if the adults are healed, then it has to trickle down to those that are in the household as well. Um, And so we will be offering that soon. As of right now, we have unisex sizes, forgiven shirts, uh, healed shirts. We have healed hats, chosen hats, and set free hats all available on the website now.
0: Okay. Excellent. I was about to say you had onesies. I was like, Oh no, you can't put people in a two X onesie. That's, <laughs> no, no. that's going to be very interesting. If I see anybody out there in a two X onesie, we're going to have a
1: problem. Okay.
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, but it, it is uh, amazing. Uh, when I'm thinking about your journey, because I was older, you know, um, and getting the chance to, to, cause I think that you and my sister are the same age, uh, and you guys were, I think you guys were in um Miss Bright's class, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So I was, and so I remember thinking, I said, Oh, that's little Mike. And so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, to see her, to see you now, uh, you know, maturing and like taking this world by storm, uh, when I tell you I'm godly proud of you. I I am super super godly proud of you. So, Micah, talk to me. I asked you this question at the beginning of our podcast. What does what does it look like for you? What do you think justice looks like?
1: Honestly, just speaking from the heart. Um, yes, I know that there's no black and white answer to what's happening right now. Because the more that I unpack Black Lives Matter, um, I'm able to realize the diversity in Black people, in Black experiences, in Black culture. Um, And I realize that, uh, unfortunately, due to my lack of ignorance of just this entire experience, I was so focused on one specific experience of a Black life. And so, when I spoke about justice and I typed the hashtag Black Life Matters, um, I was speaking to one experience that resonated with my experience as a Black woman and the privilege that I've had even in my life. You know, I recognize that having C-PREP is a privilege and having my loving mother and supportive father, those are privileges that other Black people don't have. Um, And so, when you ask me the question, what does justice look like? I recognize that there's no Black and white answer to it or there's no right answer. And I also have recognized that justice for me looks completely different than what justice may look like for you because of our experiences and who we are as people. But as of right now, in this current climate, um, I would say justice starts with believing that every Black life matters, not just the ones that we relate to. And so as a Black woman, I feel the responsibility of speaking for every Black life, including those that aren't mainstream including those that aren't hashtags right now, including poor Black lives and the Black lives that are incarcerated. Um, And I began to realize that when I'm speaking about this justice and the, and the, the things that I want for people who are free, you know, people who are not incarcerated, there's so many other levels to what justice could apply to. And so I would say the answer to what justice looks like is first making sure that we have justice that is applicable to every black life and not just those that relate to who we are.
0: Yeah. I I concur with you uh, about the individualization of what justice looks like uh, in each person's life. Uh, You know, we just had this recent shooting in Wisconsin um, where, you know, another unarmed black man uh, ends up gunned down. Uh, Of course, we're still waiting for justice for uh, Breonna Taylor's killers. We're waiting for justice on so many fronts. Um, I think that it is important when we start talking about justice, particularly because of your civil rights and your interest in women's rights and your interest in you know rectifying and, and shaking up the criminal justice system, uh, your interest in advocating for youth that come from marginalized communities. Uh, it is important to understand, like you said, that the black experience is not a monolithic experience. It, it's it is not all one. We we you cannot just equate blackness with struggle. You can't e- yeah. equate this with poverty. You can't equate blackness with a certain vernacular or uh, mm-hmm. a way of speaking. You it, it we have we we you can't even equate blackness uh, with just a complexion. Uh, we come yeah. in all shade colors. Uh, our melanin is beautiful. Uh, every time yeah. that um. The summer and the spring comes around, and the sun decides that it wants to so gently kiss my skin, and the melanin is extracted. I am yeah. reminded that it 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 lets me know and signifies that a rich heritage of becoming struggle is there. Uh, when I see it, it lets me know that there's an as a Dr. Underwood would tell us that there's an inherent power within us uh, that there's a transformation, uh, transformational experience that signifies to me that indicates that I'm more than a conqueror. Yeah. And so uh, talk about justice. Uh, we have to first, I, I asked this question, Micah, and I, I, I lost this to you is uh, I asked people this question. What label do you have to put in front of my name uh, in order to not recognize my humanity? Uh, do you have to put black in front of human? Uh, do you have to put, male in front of human do you have to put uh for other for Im- impoverished in front of human do you have to put ghetto or ratchet which causes you to to not look at my humanity first how do you think that we can turn this tide how we can heal uh gulf uh between what justice currently looks like and what we know that it should be of getting people to just acknowledge purely first, that we are all human.
1: Wow, (laughs) I'll start with that. That question in and of itself, um, it strikes so much thought for me, is personally in my life of what more I could be doing in addition to the things that I'm doing now. But I think the first step, as always, is just once again recognizing that we are human. But I think the first step in recognizing that is just recognizing who you are as an individual. Um, a lot of times we have people speaking about experiences that they have no idea about. And so when you have individuals in power um, creating policies and rules for a part of the community that they've never even been in then that's when we see the conflict because it's hard for you to recognize an experience that you don't identify with at all, especially if you don't take the time to even learn about it or really understand. And that's where I see the biggest disconnect, even in undergrad, you know, not even necessarily a judicial level, just an undergrad in, in college. And I was an advocate for our Black Student Union and so involved. And I realized when I came to these meetings, I was advocating for eight other 8,000 other Black students who all had different experiences than me. Um
0: and so Okay. it seems that we have lost Micah again. I'm sure she's gonna log back on. Uh but I'll I'll ask the community a question. If you went to a predominantly white institute, have you ever class and discussing uh black experience in America? And they expected for you to speak for all of the African-American culture. Uh, Have you ever felt the weight, the responsibility um, to have to answer for the entire African-American race? Uh, Have you had the ability to properly articulate your individual experience as an African-American and shed light, information and awareness uh, for others? so that they realize that you represent one perspective of Black America. Micah, are you back? I'm back. Okay, excellent. So you were saying that you, you were representing and speaking for 8,000 other uh, African Americans that had different experiences from you.
1: Yes. Um, and, and in that, I was able... You know, and I'm able to advocate, you know, to the best of my ability, what I believe in general we needed on campus. So, you know, um, in those meetings, I was able to say Black students need a safe place. You know, so I'm able to speak to those general, you know, requests and the things that we will always hear. But then I began to realize that a safe place, even that looks different. And just because we're all Black does not mean everything feels safe to us. Um, And so then there was so much, there's so many levels to unpacking the experience of being human, the experience of being a a person, um, the experience of being who we are. And so, um, I realized the first step for me is that I'm in here speaking about what what we need and I don't even know what I need. And so when I began to really dig deep into who I was as an individual, who I was as a human, who I was as Micah, it allowed me to advocate for others a little bit more easier.
0: That's good. And I, I think that's so important. Like, you know, in the um, poem or the student creed, Today This New Day, uh, one of my favorite lines, I was talking to Darren about this when he was on, and I was talking to Juan about this when he was on, and I was talking to uh, a different uh, C-Prep alum, or I was talking to Darshan about this over the phone. Uh, one of my favorite lines is, uh, at the end, and I and I remember the hot tears that rolled down my face in a moment when I needed this poem or this affirmation the most. And the, the line goes, thus my burden lightens with each revelation of me. Yeah. Let, just let that sink in for a second. Thus my burden lightens with each revelation of me. Mm. So that I, we understand we go through life progressively becoming, getting the revelation of who we are. Uh, Some things are foundational about us. Some things are fluid. Uh, And the Bible talks about until Christ be formed in us, until our nature and our character are in alignment with who he was in the earth. Michael, what do you think about this? Especially as an advocate for those that are going from trauma to triumph. How, much of self-awareness is needed to begin the journey and does the journey ever end
1: mm. so. self-awareness is crucial to the journey it's essential if you're not aware of yourself you won't first recognize that you've been through trauma um because you will believe that that's a part of your identity up until that point point. and when i say that i mean it took me having to sit down and say, Micah, these things happen to you. And sometimes identifying things as trauma, that is essential to you even getting to the point of realizing who you are as an individual and vice versa. So it was a mutual exchange that kind of happened at the same time. Because I said earlier, those putting truth to the things that I went through was taboo for me. No, none of my siblings did it. I don't ever remember having conversations with them about depression or mental health, you know, or things of that nature. Um, And so when I began to realize who I was and, and come to that moment of, of self-awareness, I was able to recognize that one, these things happen to me. And while they're not okay, I have to figure out how I can turn these things into my favor, as in, you know, I'm able to conquer them and I'm able to do the things I need to do to become better in spite of what I'm feeling right now. And so when I went through that journey, it was difficult. You know, it was it was a new experience for me. And as I mentioned earlier, I immediately went into research and figuring out, OK, who can I listen to? Who else who looks like me or who has had this same journey can speak to literally being suicidal? Then when I began to search, I'm like this. the search, it got It got less, you know, extensive because I'm like, wow, nobody's speaking about the things that I know are real emotions for me. And it kind of got discouraging. And honestly, that kind of put a fuel in me to speak more about what I was feeling because I can't sit and take the title of a mentor and take the title of someone looking up to me and being inspired by me and I'm giving them smoke, you know, and I'm not being real. And then I found myself feeling guilty because I'm like, oh, my God, I can only imagine how many people are looking at my journey and only seeing the good. Then they're blindsided when the bad comes because the person that they're looking to to inspire them is refusing to be real about what they're going through. And I refuse to blindside somebody. And so then it it, it sparked something in me to realize, wow, my journey not only includes me bringing awareness to myself, but helping somebody else discover themselves as well. And that added another layer to what I knew to be true about my journey um, and so that's why I always tell people it's one thing to realize who you are, but when you have the strength and the power to help somebody else realize their power and who they are as well, that's the true beauty in it. I couldn't be selfish in this pursuit of realizing the power that lies within me because somebody else needed it too um and so I'm humbled and i'm I'm grateful for this journey, but I also recognize the weight that comes with it because a lot of people aren't talking about it. You know, we go through our traumatic experiences and we hide them. Oh, we hide so much. And so, yeah, I can get on social media and I can post a degree. I can post, you know what I'm saying, the, the good things I have, my beautiful, happy family. I can post me falling out at church. You can do all those things um, and I can sugarcoat it, but that gets me nowhere because how many lives am I really bringing closer and back to Christ? Um, and my real journey and the things that I'm going through have been able to bless so many people. Um, and so that's honestly, when I think about what you just asked and think about that whole entire process and that whole entire journey of realizing who I was and the duties attached to my name and the accountability I had to Christ most importantly, me to not let his grace and his mercy go to waste by me just keeping it all in my apartment. No, somebody needs to know about this journey through suicide and, and through depression that I just had because I know I'm not the only one going through it. You know, some of us we we're we're taught to dress it up and make it look good so well, so we can't even recognize when we're not okay. Um, right. And when I began that journey, I got deep into therapy. You know, I got deep into recognizing what happened to me and allowing myself to feel that and to not feel bad for feeling hurt. About the things that my parents probably didn't know any better about, or feeling bad about the things that my colleagues might have done. Like when you begin to realize that your hurt is your own, and nobody can define it for you. There's power in that because when you're able to own it, you're able to heal from it. Um, And I wasn't able to reach healing unless I first admitted it was something that I was going through. Once I did that, everything else kind of unraveled as a result.
0: Yeah, thank you for sharing that, Micah. And we come to we come to the realization that uh, without self-awareness, you cannot reclaim your personal power. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that personal power is instrumental, uh, in moving what I like to say, moving forward. Uh, when I talk to people, Micah, who has gone through very traumatic situations, I always encourage them to know it is not about moving on, but it is about progressing and moving forward because, uh, there are some things that you will process and we will process for a lifetime. There are some things that, uh, can come, you, you process through it. And I can always tell that when God is promoting, uh, or when God has taken us to another level, because the enemy doesn't come with anything new. And so it just seems to be heightened and exaggerated, uh, whether it's whatever, whatever your situation is. And let's just go ahead and be honest And with everybody out there, everybody limps in some area. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you are human, you have an area in your life that calls for you to have a greater dependency on God. So whether it is mental health, whether it is some type of uh, addiction, whether it is uh, unhealthy relation, whatever it is that you have, there's an area of your life that may be hidden from plain view that causes you to pray. (laughs) I think that that is a reality. And here's the thing, somebody out there, I, I felt, Michael, while you were sharing that somebody just needed to make that declaration that I am not what happened to me. Yeah. You can do, go ahead, go ahead. People you I all come on, declare that, that, that to me. To I me. not what happened to me. Uh, release the guilt of that. Uh, release the, the, the process through the pain of that. Know that it was nothing that you could do that pro- could provoke someone else's uh perversion or ideas to come toward you in your youth. There's nothing you could have done. It was their dysfunction, watch this. And I'll dare to say it was their trauma. Yeah. So guess what? You are not people out there listening, you need to declare that. Somebody put that in the chat. I am not what happened to me. So Micah, we are in this window. Can you believe we only have about 10 minutes left in our conversation? Oh, wow. And what I want you to do is I just want you to open your heart because I know God is giving you a message and I just want you to share with the people. I empower them, uh, share, you know, motivate them, encourage them because somebody's listening right now, Micah, and they're going through COVID-19. They may have been quarantined alone. Uh, They may currently be without a job or uh, they are eagerly awaiting this stimulus just keeps getting pushed back and back. Uh, They realized I've seen so many people uh, quoting Drake, no new friends. I've seen I've seen people uh, talking about, you know, oh, haters going to hate and, you know, some family. I've seen all of the the quotes that for me project project onto the timeline, hurt, pain, dysfunction and trauma. That's what I see. So when somebody is posting on my haters and all this other kind of stuff, it lets me know that you're hurting. let it lets me know that you're hurting. And instead of you saying in your, in your comment, listen, I'm hurting. Can somebody help me? You decide to say, oh, forget all my haters and blah, 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 blah. Micah, can you minister to them uh, from a very real place because they need uh, to become self-aware, reclaim their personal power so that they can move forward?
1: Yeah. From the heart, um, what I will say and what I do know to be true And I know that people always say it, so sometimes it kind of can be cliche when you hear it. But what I do know to be true from someone who's been through a lot and someone who, whose experiences meets, meets more than what you may feel and what you may see from the surface on everything you need is in you. And the times that I've realized who I was and the strength that I had, they always happened at times where I believe was like my lowest point. And so, um, if you've looked on my social media and on my website, I talk more about my story. But January 1st, 2018, I was stabbed in the face. Um, very traumatic experience. Could have died, almost died. I remember calling my mom in the ambulance, telling her, like, hey, I just got stabbed. Um, and I remember being rushed in the hospital, and that was the first real experience I had that I would identify as traumatic. You know, it's scary. Um, I'm going in out of consciousness. I don't know what's happening. I have no family. I'm in Indianapolis. Everything happened so fast. I'm fighting for my life, literally. And all I had was Micah. They shut down my entire hospital room floor. I couldn't have my phone. My mama's not there. My daddy's not there. My sisters aren't there. The mentors aren't there. My wards aren't there. In that hospital, I was not known as Micah, the 15-year-old, you know, genius. I wasn't known as Micah, the smart girl on college campus. I wasn't known as Micah with the wards. When those doctors came to the hospital room, what they saw was a young black girl with no support system who has been rushed to the hospital with a stab wound to her face. And for a moment, I began to think that that experience was who I was going to be after. I began to believe that I would never be the same. And oh my God, what do these people want to think about me? What is my mom? What is, you know, you begin to get into that moment of what ifs and and who and what they are thinking, what they are assuming. But then I realized the beauty in that moment is that I had to tap into a strength I did not know existed. And I began to encourage myself in knowing that the power that God gave me was enough to save my life. And who he is and who he was will forever be that. And when I began to tap into that inherent power, something shifted. Um, And so I began to realize and really embrace traumatic experiences because had it not been For that moment, the strength I had to just survive COVID for a week and pneumonia and not breathing and a blood transfusion and blood draws and shots for seven days at a time with once again, no family, with once again, no support, with once again, no contact, with once again, only doctors who only see what's lying on that table. Had it not been for the experience that happened in 2018, Michael wouldn't have just survived what just happened in 2020. And so then I'm realizing that these traumatic experiences align with each other, because if you do what you're supposed to do, if you do the work, what you're taught in one season will save your life in the next.
0: Ahead,
1: and so I, I just really, really want to encourage people when you're going through these moments, you know, the grit and the grind that you learn in 2018 when you're going through financial struggles is the grit and the grind that can encourage you to launch that business to make sure you and nobody else attached to you ever has to work in that way again. And so when you begin to align these seasons and recognize the power that God is trying to give you and the strength that he's trying to give you and the lessons that he's trying to teach you, you won't be ashamed of your scars because the scars make room. They, they move things, they shift things, they, they align things within you to be at the right place at the right time and to be most importantly prepared for the blessings that God has to give you. Um, and so the person I was before that stabbing in 2018 would have never launched a business. You know, from trauma to triumph was birthed from the traumatic experience that the enemy set to take me out. And here I am with the audacity, you know, to bring a brand to it and to put it on some shirts and then make sure somebody else recognizes their journey. And thankfully, I don't look like what I've been through, but I also can't rest in that because that's God's grace alone doing that thing through me. And I feel like because I don't look like what I've been through I'm even more encouraged to announce what I've been through so that folks don't get it twisted. This stuff takes sacrifice. You know, it takes scarring. It takes those traumatic experiences. And when you understand the alignment that's supposed to happen behind it, you're no longer ashamed of what's happening. So anyone who's going through these tough times, anyone who's going through the things that you may not see other people talking about, And other people declaring and exposing on the timelines, whatever the case may be, know that in this season, God is trying to give you something that will help you elevate and that will possibly save you in the next. Um, And so if that's you, I just ask that you sit in that. You sit in these moments and you pray to God to give you the strength and to reveal to you what he's trying to give you. So that whatever this season is supposed to teach you, you are equipped and handled and you're able to handle what's coming at the next. Micah, that's powerful.
0: That is powerful. And so I I want to end this uh, podcast with actually a quote from our mentor. You call him granddad. I call him dad. Um, Just because I'm just a few years older. (laughs) The quote, it comes from his book. And for all educators, people out there, uh, it says, bumblebees can fly developing the inherent power in young men of color needed to achieve an education and succeed in life, empowering young men of color. Here's the quote from the introduction. It's the first line. It says transformational living is an intentional use of one's personal inherent power to change and override any limitations in life that prohibit maximum living achievement and success. And what you've heard Micah talk about Today, what well, you've talked about, Micah, from, tra- from trauma to triumph is transformational living. Yeah. And I think that it is great that you have shared your story. Uh, I sense an anointing. Uh, whenever you begin to talk about God's grace, his power, his ability to deliver, whenever you testify, that same anointing that brought you out, is transferred to the hearer uh, if they would receive it. And so uh, we close out understanding uh, that it is the drawing board nation's endeavor to create an experience that will transform the world. And so, Micah, you are transforming the world. We thank you for coming on to our podcast. And please tell them where can they find you, all all of your social media handles and websites.
1: Yes, so my social media that I'm present on will be Instagram and on Facebook at Micah Benson. Or you can find me as well at From Trauma to Triumph as well on Instagram and on Facebook. Um, And that's how you connect with the business. As always, MicahBenson.org is always updated with new ways to contact me in addition to all my contact information. And I'm newly, I'm a newly individual on Twitter. I'm new to it. And so at Twitter, it's at Micah Benson T. Um, And those are
0: the best ways to contact me. Excellent. Well, sis, I thank you for coming on. Uh, prep for Life. Shout out again to Apostle Underwood. Uh, We are definitely uh, making true the word that God spoke through you, that uh, you would send prophets to the nation, prophets that are decreeing and declaring the word of God and speaking truth to power. So um, if you don't know about Cornerstone Christian College Preparatory School, you need to check it out. If you're in the greater Fort Wayne area, you need to send your child to that school. And so we close it out like this, knowing that our future is not behind us. It is not before us. It is within us. God bless you. Thank you, Micah, again for coming on.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. Peace.